Hello, everybody. We are back. This is episode 95 of the Speed Metal Cycling Podcast for Thursday, July 31st, 2014. I am your host, Dan the Skull Crusher. Intro and outro music today by San Francisco's own Forbidden. And today I'm joined by Mike Gage in the Soto slash Rafa in Klaus Inquisition of Cycling Inquisition. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Mike, you go first. Mike? I'm rich. Do you hear me? No, I didn't hear you at all. You're rich? Yeah. I have an AG2R jersey in the freezer. Oh, you're future rich. You're not rich right now, but you will be rich I'm about soon. To once I figure out how to do the eBay. Oh, I'm rich in Bitcoin right now. No, Juggalo coin, actually. And Klaus, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. It's the uh, end of the month. You just reminded me that the mortgage is due. Oh, shoot. And my insurance is due as well. It's the end of the month. Anyway, check out our site, blog, episode, show notes, receptacle at speedmetalcycling.com. There you will also find the name that cyclist project. We have Japanese names coming very, very soon. I already have somebody doing the Japanese names. Info at speedmetalcycling.com. Twitter, Instagram, and all that other crap. Uh, links to all that, speedmetalcycling.com. Uh, the Duran Duran t-shirts are for, are up for sale, and there's very few left, so get to it. Speedmetalcycling.com, you'll see them there. Duran Duran, Uran Uran t-shirts, they're awesome, notorious. Boys on bikes, boys on bikes. And the Speed Metal Cycling kits, if you order them, they are being delivered as we speak. I heard that some people already got them, as a matter of fact. So if you slept on them, you slept on them. What are you going to do? Guys, obviously we have a lot to talk about with the Tour de France ending last weekend. Uh, but before we get to that, let me do some, uh, some stuff over here. Uh, the Giro Rosa for the ladies. Ended as well. Marianne Voss uh, finished first, and Pauline Ferrand second, and Anna van der Bregen, van den Bregen finished third. All of them from Rabobank ladies. But I'm sorry to tell you that if you saw the race at all, I want to say the hell with that team completely. Some of the stuff that they did, some of the tactics that they used were absolutely dirty, horrible, terrible. Like, I would have punched these girls in the face. Did you guys see any of that? No. They were in a breakaway, three Rabobank girls and somebody else, I can't remember who it was, an American from United Healthcare, I think, and they didn't let her attack by basically not allowing her to get out at all. Like, they were, they were blocking her the whole time, physically blocking her. Every time she would go to a right, somebody would just get in front of her, and they just caged her between the th these three girls. It was horrible. It was like the worst thing that I've ever seen. Mary I wonder what Lisi would have called them. I don't know, but I wanted to punch them in the face. It was horrible. I would have punched them. I would have gotten off the bike and hit them, seriously. But anyway. Well, if you get off the bike, they just keep riding. and then Or just... I just, I don't know, I throw a water bottle or just push them. Push them out of the way. Like elbow them out of the way. I don't know. It was just horrible. It was just so, it was terrible. And I can't believe that <laughs> there's not a rule against that. Headbutt. Headbutt. Yeah, headbutt. See, that, then that's making a rule. It's like, I've thought about this before, you know, with the, the Tour of Flanders in, in one of those um, super, super narrow climbs. Let's say that I am Fabian Cancellara. I just ask the rest of Trek to get up to the front, right? And then just stop. What are you going to do? You can try to get around it, but it's going to take you forever. 
and then fire I mean, a bunch of artists. Pew. They have done that in the past. I, I mean, there's races and small climbs where, yeah, I mean, you just block the way. Yeah, so I mean, they you do slow do that. down. But, I mean, if you just, what if you just crash right in front of everybody? It's ridiculous. It's stupid. Everybody would be like, that's, it may not be cheating, but it's, it's stupid. And that's what they did. And I hated it, but whatever. The uh, Bene Ladies Tour in Holland, Emma Johansson won that. Jolienne Dehor was second, and Sarah Gillow. What? Easy with that last name. Is D apostrophe H O O R E? The Dehore or the Dehore? Whatever. Anyway, the Ladies Tour of Bretagne. Uh, Elisa Longo Borghini won that guy. Audrey Corden second, and Doris. Schweitzer was third. The La Course by the Tour de France. Marianne Voss won that one. Um, Kristen Wild and Leah Kirchmann was third. The Tour of Austria for the men. Peter Keniak won that. Javier Moreno of Movistar was second. And Damiano Caruso of Cannondale was third. And Giro de la Toscana. Peter Vining, Dutch for Orica Green Edge, uh, won it with uh, Jerome Bognier. Bognier. Uh, the Belgian from Wanty Group Gobert was second. And uh, Roman Maikin, the Russian from Rusvelo, was third. The Classica Ordizia, finally. Gorka Isaguirre from Movistar won that one. Luis Leon Sanchez uh, from Caja Rural was second. And Jose Errada from Movistar was third. All right, Tour de France. Before we talk about the Tour de France, I want to go through our predictions again. Klaus, you said Froome, Contador, Nibali. Mike, you said Froome, Contador, Talansky. And I said Contador, Valverde, Rodriguez. So I win. So Klaus wins because he had Nibali in the podium and Mike or I didn't. So Klaus wins. Hells yeah. Hells yeah. All right, you, you win absolutely nothing. Oh, man. And just to recap over here, the Tour de France, uh, the 101st edition, was won by Vincenzo Nibali of Astana, uh, Astana Pro Team. 89 hours, 59 minutes, and 6 seconds. Second was French uh, Jean-Christophe Perrault for AGR, AG2R Le Mondial at 7.37 back. Third, Thibaut Pino from FDJ.FR at 8.15. Alejandro Valverde of Movistar was fourth. TJ Van Gardneren was fifth. Uh, Roman Bardet from AG2R as well was sixth. Uh, the Czech, Leopold Koenig, was seventh. Heimar Subeldia, the invisible man. I never saw him in the tour the whole time, but somehow he finished eighth. Lawrence Tendam was uh, ninth. And Bauke Molema uh, was tenth. Lantern Rouge. Any guesses? The guy from China. Yes. Who Phil Liggett, quote, called him a, quote, Chinaman. Yeah, I know. We're, we'll get to that. Mike? His computer blew up. Mike's computer apparently blow, blowed up. The uh, thought of hearing Phil Liggett use the word Chinaman made Mike's computer give up on life. <laughs> hear me? Hey, Hello. I can hear you. I can hear you. Okay. So we were talking about how Cheng Yi was the Lantern Rouge. He was six hours and two minutes behind Vincenzo Nibali. 
Green jersey, Peter Sagan, 431 points. Second was Alexander Kristoff. And Brian Cocard from Team Europe Car was third with 271 points. So basically nobody came even close to Peter Sagan. The King of the Mountains, Rafael Maika from Tixo, uh, Tinkoff Saxo was 181 points. Vincenzo Nibali was second and Joaquin Rodriguez was third. The youth classification was pretty funny because Thibaut Pino won that with uh, Romain Bardet in second, three minutes back. And then the third guy was Mikhail Kiatkovsky, who was an hour back. So it was like he made the podium of the youth classification over an hour behind Vincenzo Nibali, but, uh, or rather over an hour be behind Thibaut Pino. And who won the winking competition? The winking competition was... Uh, Maika. Yeah, Rafael Maika. The team <laughs> competition was won by AG2R, second, uh, Team Belkin, and third, Movistar. Alessandro De Marchi from Team Cannondale won the combativity for the, for the Chindig. Stages. Marcel Kittel won four stages, including the first and the last one. Nibali won four stages. Tony Martin, two stages, including his amazing breakaway and the time trial. The most ever wins by uh, Germans at the tour, including the days of T-Mobile and Ulrich and all of that. Yeah. Alexander Christoph won two, like I said, and Rafael Maika won two uh, crazy mountain stages. By country, yes, Germans won seven stages, so that includes Marcel Kittels and, and Tony Martins and everything. Italy won five. France won two, one by Bliel Kadri, you know, one by uh, Tony Gallopon. Poland won two, Micah. Norway won two, Christoph. Australia won one, Michael Rogers. Lithuania won one with Ramunas Navardauskas, but I always call him Nevera Dauskas, because Nevera means refrigerator in Spanish. And the Netherlands with one, that was the amazing Lars Baum one. Only three riders wore the yellow jersey. Who were they, guys? Mike, any guesses? Three guys wore the yellow jersey. Nibali? Yes. Gallopin? Yes. Kittel? Yes. All right. Nice. Jens Voigt tied the uh, O'Grady and Hincapie record for most appearances in the tour, 17. And Chris Horner uh, outdid his record of once again, again chasing someone down in the Champs-Élysées for no reason at all. <laughs> for being an absolute jerk. Did it to Hincapie, and now to Jens Voigt, just because. We know why he did it to Hincapie, but to Jens Voigt, I mean, because Jens can be annoying, but just for that? I don't know. Maybe we could ask him that next time he comes on the podcast. Never. Uh, okay, so one of the things that I wanted to uh, uh, talk about specifically, actually, no, let's, let's, let's talk about the race itself. Uh, overall... What were your overall thoughts about the Tour de France in 2014, Mike? I liked it. That's I it? Come it. on, I liked, dude, it. I liked it quite a bit. Elaborate. I liked it quite a bit. <laughs> quite I mean, a bit is three more words. That's not elaboration. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Are you being sarcastic? <laughs> no. Wow. Okay, Mike. Why did you like it? I, I, I liked – I mean, aside from the fact that the race was decided very early. Like in the second stage. Maybe. All right, fourth stage. I like the route. Uh, I liked some of the stages. I liked the cobbled stage. I liked that it seemed difficult. Uh, there is no, it's not a coincidence that top guys were eliminated because I, I think it was a tough race. 
I think that's that's part of the aspect of what made it interesting to watch because it it just I don't know everything changed based on the course. So yeah, the race was for second and third and and whatever in points, but um, I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was a, I thought it was an interesting race for sure. But if you're saying that it was tough, why wouldn't they make it tough towards the end? That way, the race the race isn't decided in the first week. You know what I mean? Yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, it, kind of, it was toughish toward the end. It's just that by then, Nibali was so dominant. No, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But Klaus, what did you think overall? I could have slept through most of it. I actually <laughs> did sleep through most of it. I, yeah, I, I was looking forward to Contador. And I mean, this is not really, I mean, like Mike said, I think that on paper, the, the route looked interesting. Um, but... With I mean, Room and, and, and Contador being out, then the 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 race kind of lost its touch because obviously Valverde, obviously Joaquin Rodriguez, obvious, oh, very obviously uh, Richie Port, they just didn't have what it took, which opened the gates to a really interesting like chase for the podium. There was there, it was it was interesting. That was good. TJ Van Garderen and then the, the French guys in there and stuff, which made it. Interesting, but I just don't want to root for somebody to finish second. It's just not, it just doesn't, it's not interesting. I'll so. say this. I just think a dominant victory is more fun to watch at the World Cup when Brazil is losing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was a fun I game. I, mean, I think some of the stages were really, really well done. Um, I like the idea of less time trials. I like the idea of shorter mountain stages. Absolutely mm -hmm. agree. I think the I was at third stage where Nibali got the jersey. Um, I like Grand Tour stages that can be raced almost like one day races, mm. leaving not even the cobbled stage, but that's that it was kind of like an Ardennes style stage in you know in England. So, but maybe that just speaks to the kind of racing I like, which is that I'm in denial about the fact that I'm watching a Grand Tour and I wish it were a one day race. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I, I I think that that cobble stage, I watched it again. Uh, that win by Lars Baum is just amazing. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. I mean, he, yeah, that's stage. that's that's probably the point. That's probably the takeaway is that there's slices of this race that everyone can take away uh, and will rewatch. I, I mean, I like Vincenzo Nibali. I did, it didn't bother me that he was that dominant because it was not. I mean. You know he's he's a three-time Grand Tour winner now. He's won the Vuelta, the Giro, and the and the Tour. That's rare. Yeah. So it was cool. To, I mean, I like the guy. So I, I didn't get ticked off watching him be that dominant. I thought it was. I thought he. I thought. I think he's a good bike racer. I think he's fun to watch. Yeah, it would have been a totally different race if the other two contenders had stayed in the race. Think about that time trial at the end. That could have come down to seconds. That could have come down to. That could have been the decisive stage. Yeah. The day before the day before the Champs Elysees. And th that's why. That's what made it for me such a bummer because because he was so dominant, I wish I would have seen – like every time he would attack. I mean and he attacked in the mountains for absolutely no reason other than to let everybody know this is how dominant I am. I would have loved to have seen Contador's face and Froome's face when Nibali just basically took him because I know a lot of people are like, well, it's not a legitimate win because they weren't there. Dude, I really don't see Contador or Froome being able to keep up with Nibali. He – Stomped those I don't stages. Know. I think he they destroyed those stages. I think 
my guess is that he could have, or Naito Quintana could have, um, but that's neither here nor there, and it doesn't diminish the fact. I mean, he beat whoever was there. It's just that the race wasn't super fun. It had its moments and it had its things, but I think that I stopped watching it live, put it that way. I, it, it, it was the kind of race then that I could just like download the episode, the, yeah, the episode, the stage later and then watch it later. Because I, I enjoy watching things live because it, it gives me a sense of I'm watching it with the world and if there's something incredible happening, I'm sharing it with everybody. Even if I'm not necessarily tweeting about it at the moment, I mean, I, at the time, I just, I just, there's something that makes me feel connected to other cycling fans. I don't, that sounds really lame, I know, but... It, See, it, so on that level, it wasn't point. all that different from, like, Real Housewives of Orange County or something. You know, it, it's kind of funny. Yes. It, 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 See? I knew it. It was kind of like Game of Thrones. I just didn't... Necess- I don't necessarily have to watch it live. I'll wait until tomorrow, and then I'll watch right. it tomorrow. There's no urgency okay. to it. There was no urgency to it. and, and I'm I just was... now getting around to finishing um, Breaking Bad. <laughs> Same here. I know. And Same all here. I can say is... It's not as good as The Wire. It's not that good. Everybody loves Breaking Bad, and they just went on and on and on and on about it. We just finished the third season, and I was like, what's so good about this? I hate absolutely every single character in this show. I want them all to die, like, right now. They all die. But that's nothing new. That's how you feel about the Rabobank female team. No, I don't want him. I don't want him to die. I want to punch him in the face. Here's here's the thing. How much of this kind when this when this happens to a race like this? How much is it upon the announcers and the broadcasters to figure out how to cover it better? Oh, I mean, you know, if you were if you were if you lived in France and you were watching French coverage, I would imagine that this was the best story oh, you've ever seen. Of course, yeah, oh, yeah. Course. But aside from that, how much can you polish a turd? <laughs> yes, and is that a reference to AG Two R's kits? <laughs> oh. Well, Not hey, only how much can you polish? But who do you put in charge of polishing said turd? Because. I mean, let's be honest, cycling journalism, cycling uh, play-by-play, cycling commentators are not at the top of any sort of sport broadcasting pyramid. You know, we're lucky that we get people that know uh, about basic cycling tactics. We don't really have. here's the thing. So how do we expect these people to actually – and I don't think that they necessarily should. Don't don't get me wrong, but we don't – we can't really – like we say in Colombia, and Klaus has used this uh, before in his podcast, you yeah. can't ask the elm to give you pears. You, you can't, like, I mean, it's a saying in Spanish. But basically, these guys are like third, fourth rate sports commentators. Come on. You can't really ask them to turn something that is really this straightforward into something interesting. But no play-by-play broadcaster usually can. Not on television. Think in the, in the English-speaking world... And sorry to leave out those of you who live in Europe, you know, in the UK. But, for example, in the United States, in television, who, like, the people, the guys that do play-by-play for the NFL, for American football, I mean, Chris Collinsworth and clowns like that are complete (laughs) idiots. In baseball, it's similar from what I know. But I know, for example, Mike, you have an affinity, as most people do, for their local radio broadcaster because they have more of an opinion, they have a point of view. But by and large, the people that do TV broadcasting for any sport are gigantic jokes. No, you're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. What I was thinking about was, for example, in the United States, again, the coverage that NBC has of the Olympics. 
the Olympics, really, a sports uh, event that had 99.9% of the people participating in them, nobody knows who they are. 80% of the sports, nobody even knows the rules to, yet... NBC Sports figures out a way to make it interesting. They figure out a way to make figure skating interesting. They figure out a way of making shot put interesting because they have these stories about the people. Yeah, but the way that they do that would be resented and has been resented by cycling fans, which is to explain the sport, to give background information, to show vignettes about that rider's life. And then people get all up in arms because they go, what the hell is this? Now we have to explain everything? No, I think... Drafting. How does drafting work? No, no My, please, it's a 30%. 30%. It's a 30% game. No, no, no. I don't want them 30. to explain drafting to me. I want them to – no, no, no. I, mean, I don't necessarily want them to, but in order to produce to, – to, to make a race like this interesting would be to, for example, grab a story like, uh, I don't know, Lawrence Tendam and then like explain to – you know, like do an expose as to why. But the I problem mean, is that you can't do that. do that during regular coverage. You would have to have – a show afterwards that is more than just the news about the Tour de France. But they do that. Like for the Tour of California, they do that. We are here with Greg Lemond. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. I've never seen an amazing example of any sport being covered in a way. I mean, I think the NFL does a, a very good job. Um, but, yeah, I don't even know. I mean, what else can also, you do? All, I mean, Greg Lemond and I know. Listen, bring listen. a semicircle cannot, with the cushions. You cannot compare the NFL to absolutely anything in the world. That includes the the coverage of the World Cup in any country. You cannot compare to anything because there is absolutely no sports machine, no marketing machine bigger than the NFL. There just absolutely isn't. And when people are like, well, the World Cup is the biggest um, – sporting event in the world because more people watch it then yeah okay absolutely the amount of money that fifa makes during the world cup is exactly the same amount on the nfl makes every year and so, think about that and the guys that do commentating for the nfl who i know are hired by the networks are still complete tools yeah <laughs> here's the silver lining what is it the silver lining is this year the wealth is going to be like a japanese game show Yes, it's going to be a free-for-all. It's going to be, be like, nuts. There's going to be like 17 favorites. That's true. So let's count some of the people that are going. Contador, probably going. No, 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 he's not going. No, he already he's said not. he's not going. Okay, no. Joaquin Rodriguez, has he said? Uh, he he says go. he might, but he's probably dead from the tour. But still, yeah, Joaquin Rodriguez will probably Nairo be Quintana. Nairo yep. Quintana is going to be there. Rigoberto Urán. From Rigoberto Urán, Carlos Betancourt, probably. Wiggins will be washing the team sky car because he won't be able to go. <laughs> There's so many people in contention for the Vuelta España, actually, that I heard that they just added an extra stage with cobbles so that hopefully a bunch of them will fall off and there will be less. It's a cobbled there. climb up a mountaintop finish. Exactly. Solid cobbles. Yes, and they, they, put a bunch of, they stuck a bunch of knives in the mud. Hoping to like get rid of a couple of the favorites. That's how many people are gonna. That is the silver lining, though. I think the Vuelta España is going to be absolutely bananas, insane. Oh my God, Damiano Cunego might show up. You never know. The well, one thing I, that I must say, though, is a lot of people Horner are saying Horner could win it. Horner could Horner, win. We it. forgot about Horner. Um, a lot of people are saying that the Valverde versus uh, Quintana thing may be an issue during this Vuelta España, but I don't think so because I no. think that. Uh, Alejandro Valverde is going to go to the to the Vuelta España in order to use that as preparation to finish second in the World Championship. Here's the thing. 
do either of you have you ever thought of Alejandro Valverde as a true Grand Tour contender? I used to. Ten years ago. Yeah, I mean, I I think that uh, since he came back, it's been seriously very close, very close. But he's he is the very close of everything. You know, I mean, he's finished yeah, second in the in the in the World Championship ninety two times. I understand that he has pull with the team. It's a Spanish team. He's a Spanish rider. I'm just saying, if you have the choice of sending him to one week races, one day races the world championships or a grand tour. Do you think of him as a grand tour climber? No, but then who else is Movistar going to send to the Tour de France, for example? I mean, Movistar has basically their Mm. few eggs in two baskets. And I mean, really until they find somebody else that, that they should have gotten Sammy Sanchez. His post, his post time trial interview, just his post time trial interview was wearing one of those insane spaceman helmets and he wouldn't take it off. <laughs> really? You know the wraparound? I don't know who makes it. Cask or somebody. I don't know. Uh, cat-like they have. Yeah. yeah cat-like. With the visor built in? Yeah. He wouldn't yeah. take it off. He would not take it off. <laughs> it's weird. Mike, because he's losing his hair and he refused to cut it off. Like, dude, lots but if of... the visor doesn't flip up, like the whole thing is one piece. Like he looked like, he looked like a Daft Punk being interviewed after the time trial and it was so weird because all you could see were the reflections of all the cameras and microphones in his visor he's self-conscious about hair loss what i think what we start should have done is to get sammy sanchez no sammy sanchez is not and squeeze one last year out of him instead bmc has him washing cars well then movistar would have him washing cars too though but uh wait listen about uh i didn't watch the time trial um how did how did uh, Daft Punk do in the time trial? Was that's like- when that's when his tour was officially completely ka- kaput. Oh really? So he yeah. did like crap. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. That was his last best hope, and he couldn't. So here's the thing: we're seeing a bunch of people's careers either ending or faltering. But I think that that's kind of it. Always kind of happens, but yes, it is. But it seems to be happening like a lot of people: Ivan well, Basso, Damiano Cunego. Andy Schleck, potentially Frank Schleck. Uh, Jens Voigt is done. Jens Voigt. Uh, Cavendish. I know he's not Ooh. done. No, 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 no. I don't know how he would have done at this tour. He just lost another year of showing himself at the tour. I, As, I, don't, I don't think no, that he's done. He's and, I, and I think that Mark Cavendish also has the, 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 the chance to actually transform himself a little bit more in later in, in, Someone know, should do a, well. a chart of how fast sprinters' careers end because I think it, I think Klaus is right. I think it ends faster than you think because not only not because their talent wanes so much, but that new talent comes up and is so much. Mark Cavendish was that guy at one point. He came up and was so good. Everyone was like, "Holy shit, yeah. this guy's awesome!" But that so that's what happens. It's not so much that that their ability goes that far down. It's that the new blood that comes in is that much better. Yeah, I just to me they seem like running backs to bring back the NFL thing where they're just cannon fodder. And the moment you start to slip, you're not going to get the train. And then next thing you know, you're Tyler Farah. <laughs> yeah, or Henrik Hausler. Poor Heinrich Hausler. Jesus, again. But wait, <laughs> wait. He was like second in one of the stages, wasn't he? I'm pretty sure he was. I don't know. I am cycling. I accident. By, by chance, yeah, I, I think he was actually waiting for somebody at the finish line 
and was like, whoops, I shouldn't be here. And then he crossed the line in second place. I Am Cycling's tour was just terrible. Uh, yeah, I mean, they were in the breaks. Uh, I don't know. I love their kids. I mean, they were in the breaks, but that's, you know, that's the role that... What? Breton, like, whatever. And Sasha Modolo. Sasha Modolo. That's Breton, what they should do. That's Breton, what Sasha Modolo. was to do. But I am cycling with Sylvia Chabonel. You would, they're not there to be in the breaks. No, I know, I know. Especially if they're thinking about, you know, uh, climbing up, like, climbing the next step for next year. Hopefully yeah. they're going to have to sign much better talent, obviously. Obviously. Um, yeah, I don't think that they have... because Chabonel was a year last year. But meanwhile, AG2R had a ridiculous tour. This is like, and they had an amazing Giro, and like, this team is, been, is for real. We've been saying, yeah, we've been saying... What happened to these guys in the last, what happened to these guys in the last two years? And I have the answer. Mike bought that jersey and That's put right. it in his fridge. Freezer. Freezer. That's what happened. That is exactly what happened. The moment that Mike does that... Exactly. Yeah. There's like super cycling particles that get released <laughs> from Mike's <laughs> freezer that made it to France. I'm like the Warren Buffett of cycling kits. Just watch what I'm buying and stocking in my freezer. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Yes, yes, yes. Um... So, hey, Klaus, you brought this up earlier, the, the Chinaman comment by, yeah. by Phil Liggett referring to, um, to Cheng Ji as, as a Chinaman. And, um, well, I mean, obviously that points to how absolutely stupid, retarded, and disconnected Phil Liggett is. And I am very glad that I don't have to ever hopefully knock on wood ever gonna have to listen to any commentating by him ever he also again. referred to uh nibali as vincenzi nibolo for like three minutes at one point <laughs> no. yeah uh, <laughs> nibolo it's like worse than my dad we below we should you- start a we should start a, a hashtag uh <laughs> fill the idiot but it's 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 ridiculous because this is beyond being stupid and disconnected. This is just straight up racist. <laughs> I, he referred to Tekahelamaniot, Daniel Tekahelamaniot, as colored. I mean, one. I mean, this is it, like last year. So part of it might be number one, his age. Number two. No, of course his age. I mean, maybe there's nuance here in terminology that is different for him being from the UK or him living in Africa. I don't know, no, but either way, Phil Liggett I, doesn't live in Africa. Lives, it's Paul who? Sherwin. Sherwin lives in Africa. Yeah, I thought Phil Liggett lived there too. No, 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 no. Paul Sherwin lives in Uganda, but uh, Phil, I Phil lives have in England. That he lived in South Africa. Oh, I, then that's even worse. I just, I mean, <laughs> he can't be erased in South Africa. It's against the law. All I can say is to Ameri- to ears of an American or like me, someone that lives here, hearing Chinaman was like startling. That is horrible. That's like one level above the N word, and not even the, not even that much lower. Like it's insane. It's ridiculous. Nobody should say that. And you say about age. Of course, age has something to do with that. But then you know why? Why I refer to as grandmas that say that racist grandmas. <laughs> you know, I mean, that that term is racist, and he's so disconnected that he thinks it's okay. 
It's a racist term. Did they correct him on the air? Or did I have no get... idea. I just no, heard... no, no, not that Sherwin I... didn't say anything. And if you missed it, here, I'm going to play it right now. His first ever Tour de France, and he is the first Chinaman to take part in this race. So well done to him. But, uh, but anyway, I mean, it, it's, it's pretty bad. It's obviously pretty bad. Now, that, on top of the supposed, alleged... Uh, racist comments that um, that they, they're accusing um, Albacini. Albacini, I thought it was Alicia. I said Alicia. Oh. No, no, no. With Al- Kevin Reza. Yeah, yeah, against Kevin Reza, and I mean, apparently the whole thing got kind of squashed or whatever. But Reza was crying, and I mean, and and I understand that as well. Now we understand. I think we know, and we understand that. I think cycling is. Definitely sexist and a little bit homophobic. Can we can we agree on that? I think that if there were to be a, a if if one of the writers came out, they would probably get a lot of shit in the peloton. Can we agree on that? In other in other words, it's a sport. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, and that's sense, I don't think it's so, any worse or any better. It's sexist. It's homophobic. But is it really racist? I mean, I think because it pulls people from so many places in the world. In my dumb naive mind i think no these guys race next to each other people of all nationalities and races they can't be racist it's but sounds like it it is well it's in this don't you think football or football or soccer is because of the national in the nationalism that comes out when people are rooting for their teams oh soccer is definitely (laughs) racist but this is kind of a this is kind of a cute moment because we can tell that you don't follow soccer (laughs) No, obvi- I mean... Because been- the things that are going on yeah. in that sport... Players, players complain that when they've played in the Eastern in Eastern Europe, especially, like, African players, like, people throw bananas at them from the stands, which... I mean, that happens in Spain. Yeah, that happens wow. in Spain as well. In Italy and, as well. Bellatelli has gotten stuff like that. And when I went to see the Cincinnati Cyclones once, who is, like, an IHL, they're an IHL team, so it's, like, a lower division hockey team, there was a black player in the opposing team who were the Cleveland Lumberjacks, and uh, people threw bananas on the ice as well. So it happens a lot. But, yeah, soccer is definitely very racist. But, between, uh, like, amongst the fans, I, I, of mm. course, some of the players are racist as well. We've seen a lot of, like, super... Oh, you mean player against player. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, a lot uh. of... In Italy, there's been a lot of controversy with a lot of players being, like, super fascist and making all kinds of hand signatures and hand signals when they score and, you know. But so in that sense, cycling is not that bad. Not yet. I, nobody's nobody's sig heiled while they cross the line yet. <laughs> but uh, it's 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 a it's a it's a sport where there is not a lot of diversity race wise. I mean, you mm. I I would think that I if somebody asked me, my first thought would be like, well, yeah, of course, it's a very very mixed sport. It's very. I mean, Peter Sagan is a Wolverine. As far as I can tell, yeah, he's not even human, so that's pretty weird. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's not a lot of black cyclists in the pro peloton. There's a few here and there, but not a lot of them. Oh, so yeah, I had to, I had to look this up. Yeah, it was a Greek player, soccer player, who got banned for um, Sieg Heiling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and I mean, I know there's a lot of Italians that have been doing the wipe off the shoulder thing. Like you kind of rub your 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 shoulder down to your elbow, kind of mm. like you're wiping something off of your bicep, and that's. Uh, oh, I thought just the shoulder, like Jay Z, like brush your shoulders. <laughs> and like you, know? you keep going with that motion towards your elbow. Uh, By the way, that 
What I uh, love it's, it's, it's some sort of fascist thing. Uh, wow. A couple, a lot of celebrities in Italy have been doing it. And it's a thing. Yeah. So the Greek player that Siegheild, first of all, he's double jointed at the elbow. Does so, that have anything to do with Siegheiling? Well, when you put your arm out to Siegheil, it oh, looks really weird. The, and he has a tattoo that says get rich or die trying, I think. <laughs> it says get rich or, and the rest is under his shorts right by his man junk. Speaking of man junk and tattoos by there. Uh, I don't know if you guys know who uh, Mickey Avalon is, the crazy rapper guy. He has no. a tattoo right above his junk that says, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you got to love it. Oh, my God. Um, but anyway, I mean, I, you know, Klaus, you've, you've written extensively about the racism that the Colombian uh, writers felt uh, and xenophobia towards them in the, in the 80s when they first came into the... Now, remember, Nairo Quintana has mentioned this as uh, recently as uh, 2010. That he also got... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that he also got... Uh, yeah, at the Port Lavenir, uh the accounts of what he went through and the entire team are pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, is it really... Is cycling a racist sport? That's such a bummer. I don't think. It, I mean, I just think it's no different from the rest of the world. You know what I mean? It's no worse or no better. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, it's not. It's not like it has a reputation. Yeah, it's not it's like just, Greek soccer. These things. These things are set. They're just not surprising. Like you read it and you're like, oh my god. And you, you know, it, it, I mean, you're outraged and you're mad, but you're also like, yeah, of course, these assholes would do this to somebody. Like this, these are hyper competitive individuals. They're they're just dicks. And a lot of them are, are are raised, are born and raised in in, in I don't know. They're they're from I don't want to say poor backgrounds, but uh, right. kind of ignorant backgrounds or whatever. Right. I don't know. I don't know that Peter Sagan's parents are like PhDs. You know. know. Hey, Nibali's parents own a video store. What? A what? video rental store. To which I'm like, he was talking about how the. Um, the economy, there's been an economic downturn in Italy, and he's like, you know, my parents used to own two video stores, not they only own one. And I'm like, uh, Nibali, that's not because of the economic downturn. It's because they rent videos. All blockbusters closed. What the hell? Netflix.it. Yeah, I'm like, dude, seriously, have you looked around or are you training so hard that you don't realize that no one rents videos. Oh, man. Wow. But his father has also been billed as a photographer. So I don't know what his dad does. Hmm. Which, um, I thought he owned me, some laundromats. I don't know. There's um, uh, an interview with the press officer for Astana that the – what is it called? Richard Moore's podcast. It's just the cycling podcast, right? Something Telegraph. Like the Telegraph Cycling Podcast. Telegraph Cycling. Sponsored by Jaguar. Presented, it's presented by Jaguar. Presented by Jaguar. Um, Jaguar should give us some money too. We say Jaguar all the time. Yeah, true. When are we going to get him to come on the podcast? Not Jaguar, Richard Moore. He'll do it. Klaus, shoot him an email. You're buddies with him. We want him on the – well, he's covering the Commonwealth Games. But I think what we could get more than likely is Jaguar, like the housing and (laughs) cable company that make bike cables, you know? I think we could get them, yes. Yeah, no, but uh, so they did a version of the podcast for uh, Velo News during the the tour. 
And they played an interview that they did with a press officer for Astana, which is amazing. The guy is a little long-winded at first, but it really picks up. He's an American who studied uh, Russian and worked for Reuters and Bloomberg and basically worked all over Europe, lived in Kyrgyzstan, and now works for Astana. He's been doing that for two years. And what's interesting about the interview is that his take on Kazakh culture. First of all, he explains how the team is structured, where the money's coming from, and how the financial setup mirrors that which Norway set up when Norway found all its offshore oil. And he explains all of that. But his take on the cultural differences of, you know, having been caught for something like doping in the case of Inokurov is that Really, in Kazakh society, the idea of being repentant and doing a true mea culpa doesn't even exist culturally. Like the way it's like you set out, you did your time, so we know that you're guilty, and now you should come back and prove that you're strong. And that's what Vinokurov tried to do. So he's not going to apologize. He's like, culturally, it just wouldn't play like that in Kazakhstan. I don't know if that's true, but the guy's pretty well aware of Kazakh culture. So it was pretty interesting. I think everybody, everybody should check out that uh, that podcast. Not only that is it really in particular is really interesting. Well, not only is it really interesting, but also it's presented by Jaguar. Hey, this one's presented by Jaguar. <laughs> no, and, dude, I want them to give us money. And Oleg Tinkoff's Aston Martin sponsorship fell through this morning. Oh no! He actually tweeted, "Hey, anyone know any car sponsorships?" Because Aston Martin backed out. Like, what a really? weird thing to tweet. Is this how you get sponsors? Aren't you a billionaire? Burst and shakers make things happen, Mike. No, uh, it, oh, my God. I read it this morning, like, as I was making coffee. I actually laughed. I actually LOL'd. <laughs> wow. Because he put, a, he put a frowny face. Oh, he did? I was going to ask you if, if, if the, the tweet came with some emoticons. It's like a billionaire teenager. Yeah. That's I can get my favorite. Aston Martin. <laughs> Sad. Ooh, Aston Martin hates me. Why would any car? Co- why would any company want to be? Well, here's the thing. Didn't he promise Rafael Micah of Aston Martin if he won two stages, and he did? Really? Well, I'm yeah. sure Tinkoff can afford them, even if. But I think he did it because he was like, "These guys are a sponsor. They'll just give me an extra car." Wow. No, he doesn't get. He got zero cars. <laughs> he should call Richard Bohr. How do you say how do you say zero cars in Russian? Um, the other thing that I thought was uh, pretty awesome was uh, speaking of Kevin Reza, who I'm a fan of now, not not because he was insulted by Albacini, but uh, because that video of him picking up that camera. Yeah, that was awesome. I'll put a link to it at speedmetalcycling.com if you haven't seen it. But basically, what happened is there's a guy. Using his uh, whatever, what do you call those cameras? GoPro or whatever, filming the peloton going through. And somebody from Lotto Bellisol thinks the guy's too close, so he just extends his elbow, takes down the camera, lands on the ground, and without even stopping, without even like thinking anything of it, Reza just reaches down, grabs the camera, and starts filming himself and other people in the peloton as they like mess around and laugh with it and stuff. I it's, like that the first one by is Horner and you can tell his <laughs> laugh. Like, <laughs> yeah, totally. So, and then he hands the camera over to the car or whatever. If and there then, was ever an argument for in-race cameras, that little episode is exhibit A. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> first of all, they're flying. 
Yeah. Second of all, there's audio on that thing, so you can yeah. hear all the fans. You can yeah. hear the riders talking to each other. You can hear them discussing, like, what the fuck is this thing? Where did you get this? Like, what are you going to do with it? What an asshole. And then they gives it to the car, the team car, and it's just it, – it was pretty remarkable. I don't know. I can't think of another sport where anything remotely like that could even happen. Could even happen. I, I agree with you. I, it's, it was unbelievable. And then I guess the girlfriend of the, of the camera owner – tweeted at Reza and they somehow hooked up and uh, the camera ended up being returned to its rightful owner. Wait, Reza hooked up with the guy's girlfriend? Not, I That's mean, rude. they met up. Oh. Damn, <laughs> like, like, he's doing the tour de France hey, and he has time for hey, that? Hey, I got your, ca- your boyfriend's camera. You must uh, have sex with me. That's my French accent. <laughs> nice. He's That's- from Guadeloupe. <laughs> Which means they speak French. Um, with a... With a uh, Caribbean accent. Yes. Whatever that Might a Caribbean be, yeah. French accent is like. I don't know. It's I don't know. You know what Oleg Tinkoff should do is the whole team, you know, the reason why they would get car sponsorships or whatever is because they have Contador. So get a Spanish car. What's uh, a Spanish car? Seat. Is the, are those good cars? They sound horrible. Seat? They basically, they're now owned by Volkswagen. If I re- and yeah. So they basically have like last generation Volkswagens. Mm. Yeah, they so. just like their current sedan looks like the old Jetta. At least the ones oh. I've seen. Yeah, it's basically that. I like the old Jetta. Yeah. Well, now you have a place to buy one, brand new, Spain. Spain. I gotta go to Spain. Yeah. Yeah, like how in Mexico you could buy an old Beetle into the night. You guys speak Spanish. They could sponsor this thing. Yes. This is sponsored by Seat. <laughs> Nobody that listens to this to this podcast they in Spanish, though. Nobody that listens to this podcast lives in any country where you can buy one. <laughs> um, that we're expanding the market. There, there we go. We're expanding. They do the people in Europe. Well, I we guess. must have we must have one Spanish listener in Spain. One. If you are listening in Spain, send me an email. Spanish. At speedmetalcycling.com. I'll set up the inbox as soon as we're done here. Preferably with a picture of you in a Seat. <laughs> yeah. Or near one. Or near in one. the Jetta from eight years ago. Hashtag Spanish Volkswagen. Yeah. Thank you very much, everybody who's listening in Spain. Oh, and I'm sure if someone's a real car person and we got any of this wrong, we'll hear about it. I, my apologies. Um, well, anyway, back to the Reza video thing. I thought it was hilarious that all the comments in... in on YouTube, we're like, you were standing too close to the guys. Why do you have a camera? You're an idiot. You're a clown. So it's basically like a whole bunch of like Carlton Kirby wannabes all upset because people were close to the writers. Well, was this the was this the tour where like that just busted out where yeah, everyone was getting selfie. shoulder checked and like? I I think that's awesome. Oh, me too. But it just seemed it seemed really prevalent this year. All of a sudden, yes, yes. It kind of makes you wish uh, or miss that chubby guy with the needles that chased Armstrong. <laughs> Listen, if you're a if you're a total dillweed and you're wearing a stupid costume and you're running next to the guys like looking at the camera and waving, then you deserve to be punched in the face. No, I agree. If if though you're standing where other people were and the peloton is going by you and somebody just takes out an elbow and takes your camera down, you don't deserve that. But I think it's awesome. <laughs> So here's the thing. Did you guys hear the s- numerous references to the American guy that runs with that football helmet with the deer antlers? Yeah, the, yeah. He got roughed up by the French police. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool too. Like it basically sounded like he was 
more or less beaten or slapped around and told not to show up or even come close to the tour. Well, That's the sense that I got. You know, what they in Italy, what they do, but it's pretty crazy, is that they have the – they're like mountain police. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And they stand arm in arm like – The carabineri? For, but they're the mountain ones. Yeah, that yeah. Have like the, oh, they're, they're mountaineri. Yeah, they have like woolen <laughs> fedoras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they, they stand, stand side by side. Yeah, they do yeah. side by side, well. and you There's do just, not want to mess with those dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. especially because they're Italian, which means they probably have a lot of cologne on. <laughs> no, Mike. No, help. That's, that's not a thing. Totally thing. Oh, okay. I thought so. Also, want to touch on uh, the? Did you guys watch the Paul Kimmage documentary? Not yet. You were going to send it to us. Oh, I'm sorry, Mike. I sent it to Klaus. I didn't <laughs> oh, send it to you. I'm almost done watching it. It is very interesting. Please get done watching it by next time and we can talk right. about it. Everybody else, everybody out there, uh, definitely download it. And it changed the way that I look at Paul Kimmage. But for the worse, I think. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's completely in line with the book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He's a bit of a, of a jerk. But anyway, uh, just... Think so? He's dogmatic. He he's a bit of a jerk. Mike, watch it and then we'll discuss. I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, I yeah, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think it's complicated, but of course uh-huh. it's complicated. But he's a jerk. But I th- okay. Uh, no, listen, listen. Uh, and also, Mike, uh, have you seen um, Slaying the Badger? Yes. And Klaus, you've seen it. Yeah, yeah. So we can discuss that as well next podcast. So we'll discuss uh, Slaying the Badger and the Paul Kimmage documentary, which is called. It's not his book's name. Rough Rider. Rough Rider. The name of the book is Rough Rider. Rough Ride. Yeah, this is Rough Rider. Yeah. And um, I've I, seen that Slaying the Badger movie. We play it in the club all the time. I've seen it like 30 times. 30 times. So you can... Uh, I know the dialogue. You, you can recite the part when Greg LeMond is putting on his like rib thing, rib cast. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> what happened to him around the time that they taped that? He got in a car. He got a car. Yeah, car. Really? They don't explain that at one point no, they in do. the living room. There's a, uh, there's um, like a hospital bed. No, no, no. They they explain. They say they say or, that uh, he was driving. He goes, the road went this way, and I went that way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I must have. Linked. But uh, it's interesting well, that he chose to to highlight it and not just like wear it under a t-shirt or something. Or something. Yeah, I guess it doesn't. Well, matter. like Game of Thrones, the book was better. <laughs> The Game of Thrones books are like all over the place, though. They like start and then they finish, and like like the stories are mixed up as the way like they're doing it on TV. But anyway, let's Slaying the Badger was also in it. The book was also in different order. Uh, I heard that HBO is going to start doing what's called Game of Badgers. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? I, by the way, I know we'll talk and, about and and uh, Greg LeMond is going to be played by a midget. No, so next time, little person, little person. So next time we'll talk about slaying the badger. But my favorite moment was when they show uh, Bernardi No petting his stuffed the taxidermy badger. That's the best, <laughs> which is ridiculous. I, you're right, Klaus. You, I would like to apologize to little people. I meant to say little people, not midget. But I heard that Greg Lemond is going to be played by a little person. And uh, Bernardino Noe is going to be played by a Chinaman. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and Phil Liggett's involved somehow. And Phil Liggett is the producer. He's actually Executive the producer. producer, Phil Liggett. 
That's actually an interesting little thing in the movie too. Is when you do see Phil again, and he's really young and very, and he's making like a lot of sense. You're like, oh, this guy used to be actually a legitimately good broadcaster. Obviously, they interviewed him, but that kind of comes and goes. And of course, John Tesh makes it in there. Yes, you got to have Tesh. Yeah, so good with the music. Yeah. By the way, as far as I can tell, it seems like Phil Liggett lives in Cape Town, South Africa. Oh. Really? Yeah, a, because uh, I found a reference to him going to watch IMAX movies in a – he says something about he goes to watch IMAX in Cape Town. Uh, hmm. Is there a lot of Chinamen there? No, that's why. That's why oh, that's he why. says this stuff like that. Why? Because uh, yes. South Africans are racist? <laughs> I didn't say that. So I'll, I'll tell you this story real quick. Um, last time I was in Hong Kong, I was there with my mother. And if you've ever been on a vacation with a parent, it was just me and her. You know that I, at least me and my mom, we operate on very different frequencies. I don't like – I like walking the streets and just seeing what happens. I always have my camera with me and just looking for interesting things to photograph, crazy little nooks and crannies to get into and weird stores and stuff. My mother is a mother, you know, so she wants to see all the sights and whatever. So basically what I did was I booked a one-day – like tour of Hong Kong where they take you everywhere. They take you up to the little mountain thing, whatever, whatever, and they like take you to the little streets there. You know. Did you do the hop on, hop off bus? It was it was something like that, basically. But it ends in they take you to this uh crazy jewelry um jewelry store um that has been there for like three hundred years or whatever. And and they have pearls and apparently the Hong Kong pearls are really famous, whatever. So we get down from the bus and we go in there and we kind of look. My mother or I, neither of us, was like into jewelry. We weren't looking for pearls. So we kind of like did it quickly and we came back out. And there was a couple um, standing outside who were, how can I say this, white trash. They were, they were overweight, horribly dressed. They looked like they just stepped out of a trailer park in Tennessee. And um, so as, as we come out, the guy's like, Y'all American? And we were like, um, yeah, sort of. He goes, yeah, you shouldn't have gone in there. See, I never go into this uh, jewelry shops with a lot of tourists. I only go to a jewelry shop if there's a lot of Chinaman. That's where you want to go. And I was oh like, God. okay. Or have just, mercy. And as soon as you sent me that Phil Liggett clip, I thought about that guy. So, yeah, there's no excuse to use that term. In any serious kind of a way, unless, especially in Hong Kong, yeah, unless you're the <laughs> unless you're the Almighty Skull Crusher, in which case I get away with anything I want because <laughs> I don't care. Um, I've been accused of being a racist before, and it's fine. Uh, but you shouldn't do it when, if you're if you're Phil Liggett. Come on, you should know better. To wrap up the Tour de France. And I'm sure I'm going to get like a thousand tweets and emails like, oh, you didn't talk about this. You didn't talk about that. I want to talk about fantasy. My team finished 68th out of 134th. That's just over the 50% mark. And Mike finished 27th. But I had Jesus Hernandez, who gave me zero points. Mm -hmm. Mark Cavendish, who gave me four. And Janier Acevedo, who gave me four. The lowest one you had was Darwin Atapuma gave you 16 how did Cavendish give you a point? I gave me four. I have no idea. Mike got a point for starting a race. No, I think in the first wasn't he in the first stage? He, he crashed in the first he, stage. Uh, but he, he crashed at the end. 
Well, then I he think he must have got a point somewhere. Yeah, there. like yeah, I don't know. He got. Or four you get points. a point for starting. Like yeah. with the SAT, you get points. for No, I think you maybe. also get no. You get points for uh, if if like one of your teammates finishes a stage in a certain place, then you know that everybody in the oh, team right. gets yeah, something yeah. like that. So yeah. I don't know. I I just think it's funny that Jesus Hernandez gave me zero, but I had like Contador was out, Acevedo was out, Cavendish was out. Chavi Sandio was out. Jesus points. Hernandez was out. Richie Port, I don't even know where he went. <laughs> he would start riding his bike every stage and then just like start walking after that. Like it's just wanted to take a nap. Yeah, Richie Port likes taking naps. So Unless I guess. So have... I guess I should say if Noberto Blanco is listening, you are the winner of the of our Velo Games League. Oh, with your team Mors Sola. I'm probably saying that wrong. That's probably uh, in another language. People, we don't speak other languages here, all right? <laughs> he had Nibali, Balcomolama, Romain Bardet, Thibaut Pino, Sagan, Kwiatkowski. Wow. He had a good team. That's, wow. that's luck. I'm sorry. What, what was the dude's first name? Noberto Blanco. Noberto Blanco. You're just lucky. There's no way in hell that you could have thought like, well, maybe if the tour goes this way. Apparently he did. But, you know, before we go, I have my Twitter game if you guys want to play that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're – yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. All right. This is quick. The game is who has more Twitter followers? Chris Horner. Oh, sorry. No. First matchup. Michael. Cindy Lauper or Jonathan Botters? Cindy Lauper, no doubt. Botters. Cindy Lauper, 232,000 versus 87,000. Oh, not even close. Next matchup, Boy George or Joaquin Rodriguez? Boy George. Ooh, yeah, Boy George, because I, I can see why people would follow him. He probably says crazy things. Boy George, 313,000 versus 125,000. Next matchup, Natalie Merchant, the singer of 10,000 Maniacs, or Marianne Voss? Oh, I'm going to go with Marianne Voss with that one. Mike? Voss. Marianne Voss. 77,000 versus 10,000. You keeping score? 10,000? <laughs> no. I'm not. Are no. you keeping score? Who's winning? I suck. <laughs> this is some game I... I... <laughs> yeah, way to go. Wait, Klaus, what was the first one? Cindy Lauper and Jonathan Vaughn. I got that wrong. You, you got, got that, that right. wrong. So I got that one. Then that Boy George and Joaquin Rodriguez. We both got that right, We both right? got that. Yeah. Natalie Merchant and Marianne Voss. We both got that right. Yeah, so it's three to two. Yes. Okay. I'm Next matchup, Peter Frampton versus Tony Martin. Oh, Peter Frampton. No, actually, you know what? Peter Frampton is liked by a lot of older people, and they don't tweet. So, Tony Martin. You know what? Peter Frampton's not alive, so Tony Martin. <laughs> <laughs> the winner is Peter Frampton. Damn it. 59,000 versus 55,000. Wow, that's, that's close. A wash. And the last match. But wait, wait, wait. So who won that one? Mike did, right? No. Oh, I did? Yeah, you did. That was. You said Peter... la... Wait, wait. You said Peter Frampton. I said Peter Frampton's oh, not, not alive. Even alive. <laughs> I thought it was a trick question. <laughs> I know the... he's not alive. <laughs> the greatest matchup is last. Okay. Jean Christophe Perrault. Or the band Candlebox. I don't even know what that is. Some crappy nineties band. Dude, I'll play it for Perot. Perot. Hold uh, on. Candlebox. Hold on, I want to play Candlebox for uh, 
Why do you have it? So why do you have it queued up? I don't. I mean, I have to find the video, but I just want to make sure you know. I think it's on your iPod. Yeah, I'll fix this on post. Go ahead, play it. Hold on. So wait, who won that then? Do you recognize it now, Mike? No. <laughs> Mike, you should have been like, oh, yeah, I know that one. What year is that? Is that terrible? It's like from it the... It sounds like country western. It was like post-grunge, uh, like, yeah, bands that came... Like, it was around the same time as the Gin Blossoms or something. And like Silver mm. Chair. And the winner is Jean-Christophe Perrault by yes. 700. <laughs> Candlebox has 10,000. Jean-Christophe Perrault, 10,700. But who wins? Me. I win 4-3, to three, Mike. Yep. Amazing. You're allowed to say booyah. Booyah. And, um, yeah. So, hey, something else that I just remembered as we were playing this. Klaus, you yeah. are famous in the United Kingdom and all over Europe now. Yeah, I, I'm the guy that created the Candlebox versus Jean-Christophe Perrault game. No, because your story was the cover story for Pro Cycling, this, this edition issue, whatever. Oh, yeah. That's right. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you, man. I'm, I'm uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Sure. <laughs> can, we say, can we say that you have arrived? Yeah. I think the candle box game was what really set me apart. <laughs> I, that's what I would like to think. I don't know if I'm right, though. Did you write the title? No. No. What? I didn't think, I didn't think so. The title no. of what? Of the, of the title the, to the article is Rise of the Colombians. No, I, I had a different article. Uh, what was, name. What was it. yours? Something in Spanish. <laughs> el, el, el Juego del Candle Box. Yeah, it was... Can <laughs> Candlebox Columbia. <laughs> they were like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, I almost didn't get paid because of that. <laughs> like, we don't appreciate your attempts at humor. <laughs> uh, well, whichever way, if you are out there, actually, you know, pro cycling is also available here in the United States. So I don't think it's made it here yet. It's not here yet. I checked. Okay. Well, when it at least my here, local, my local news agent doesn't have it. Uh, oh, I love that you have a local news agent, mm, right? Uh, There's a Pakistani guy. He's really nice. He gets he gets me whatever I want. No, but I mean, wait, I, think wait, that, I just thought of something. What you realize that at the rate that we're going, even maybe right now, out of Phil Liggett, Paul Sherwin, and Bob Roll, Bob Roll is the coherent one that makes sense. <laughs> yes, that's very weird. Was Bob Roll in, as part of the tour commentator group? A little bit with Christian Vandevelde. Oh, really? oh, right. Ugh. Which is kind of awkward considering how the human hod at, uh, you know, Floyd Landis and these other cheaters. What's the name of that terrorist organization? ISIS? No, the Mahujahad. The, Mahu, the Mahjubi. Hamas? No. Mujahideen. Thank Mujahideen. you. The Mujahideen. Thank you, Mike. Jesus, somebody. No, I just, it, it's kind of funny that Phil and Paul would, you know, say all these things about these people who were cheaters in the sport. And I mean, God love Christian Van de Velde, someone's got to, but I'm just saying, like, 
kind of funny how that doesn't matter all that much anymore, you know? Yeah. It's going to be interesting when they change over. But something's going to happen with those two, with Phil and Paul, and it's going to be traumatic. Yeah, because you know who's next in line? Todd Gogolski. Stefan, no. Stefano Bernardino. Bernardino, oh my God. No, the, <laughs> the heir to the throne is Craig Hummer. Oh. No, I would take Bernabino's like insane accent any day. Well, he, he wore the he wore the, the he wore the Sagan flower shirt. One of those. One of those I shirts. know. Believe me, so I have a screenshot. Terrible. And how come the stop sign was there sometimes, but not other times? And how come that sometimes the... they were stepping on the stop sign, but sometimes they weren't? Yeah, yeah it's very drive, weird. It looked like a little entry mat. Also, the 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 bike would change. Yep. Yeah, they were always non-branded, but they had great guests though. They did, even though they, they had the clout to get the. I mean, Tinkoff was on there, Kwiatkowski was on there, everyone was on there. They could not ask. I was going to say good questions. They couldn't ask questions. They couldn't get them out. <laughs> statements. They were just more like statements. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's that's the thing with Greg Lemond. He makes very long statements. But I think the show did well enough that next year they might get more than just a tent to stand under. Well, like, I hope that by have. next year somebody actually grabs. Uh, I mean, Bernabino needs to be changed as the host, but somebody needs to get Come on. Greg and like, hey, Rob Day for Jack Bauer. Teach him how to like speak and on camera. I mean, I could do a better job. Come on, guys. Oh, they need Craig Hummer. Well, anyway, Klaus. Here's is, the thing, Dan. You could do a good job on if you replaced Bernabino, you would be awesome. I because would. you would be able to keep the show moving no matter what. You have an accent as well, so it wouldn't be that and abrupt. believe me, I can, I can go to H&M and buy crazy color pants. <laughs> just buy yellow pants. Dress up like a goddamn banana. That's all Do you it, Just make the accent a little heavier just for the European viewers so they, they, so you know, they understand. A little... <laughs> so they feel more at home. As they feel more at home. Oh, my God. It is insane with the bottom of the Anyway. Uh, I was just going to say, pick up the new issue of Pro Cycling and uh, just keep it around, you know, after you buy it, because you never know. Maybe Klaus may come to your town and you can get it signed. That's what I'm screaming. What's Who's in the cover? I know this is the cover story, but who's in Klaus. the cover? Klaus. Klaus's picture. It's just a photo of Klaus. Yeah. Rise of, the rise of Klaus. The rise yeah. of Klaus. It's like the back of his head, though. I look a lot like Nairo Quintana in that picture, though. <laughs> so is Nairo Quintana that is in the cover? With uh, Rigoberto, I think. You haven't seen it either? Uh, no, I, I saw a little JPEG of it. Hold on. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure it's... Uh, well, yeah, are... it's, uh, it's Naito with Rigoberto right behind him. Naito in super-duper everything pink. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. All right, cool. So just keep that around. and then That's when I made my racist time. snowball comment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Chocolate snowballs. Uh, Jesus. Mike. I mean, I take back everything I said. This sport is racist. <laughs> or at least Mike is. Jesus. Uh, and um, I don't know. Pick it up. I know that it's already out in England because I've gotten a couple of tweets and emails about it. So it's out there. And uh, Oh, and thank you very much to Richard from Hawaii because he sent me a humongous box of Japanese beers. And wow. that's amazing. And thank you very, very, very much. And uh, I think every other listener should uh, take note. And thank you very much, Richard. I really, really, truly appreciate it. Aloha to you and and yours over there. And he also sent me a photo of himself wearing the Speedmetal Cycling jersey. And that probably had to be sent UPS, right? Because it's liquids. Uh, 
Faust. What? Oh, I mean, it should have been. Yeah, no, it was actually hand-delivered. Right. Oh, right, right. <laughs> a little pigeon flew it over. All right, we're going to be back in a couple of weeks. The Tour of Poland should be uh, going on by then, but we're going to talk about the Paul Kimmich uh, documentary, and we're going to talk about slaying the badger. And hopefully, we can maybe have some sort of idea of when What's-His-Face can be in our, in our podcast, brought to you by Jaguar. Richard Moore. Jaguar. Jaguar. He's not going to come on the podcast. Why not? Because he'll listen to this one, and he'll be like, are you kidding me? He won't <laughs> listen to them. I'll, you know what? Klaus, email him, CC me. I've talked to the man before. He's a super nice guy. He is a nice guy. And I'll tell him, oh, yeah, that's right. We all met him at the same time. Um, I'll tell him that I, he can promote his new book about the Jamaican sprinters. Oh, that won't be out for a while. What Rise of the Jamaicans. About? He can start building. <laughs> By the way, I'm halfway through his current book. And uh, uh, it's it very good. Well, he can talk about that one, too. Yeah, it's good. We have thousands of listeners. How many listeners do you think the Telegraph Cycling Podcast has? Mother of mercy. Tongue. <laughs> they also did it every day, and they were given a Jaguar. They were giving a Jaguar? Around. They got one to drive around in. Oh. Yeah. Dude, we have but, nothing. I know. That's what I'm saying. That it would be we like got a, we got a Spanish Volkswagen on the way that probably won't even start. I know. We're well, asking it's Dave. Like, it's going to take like forever because it's going to coming UPS ground because he has liquids in it. <laughs> We're asking David Letterman to come on a public access show. Stranger things have happened. Yes, we There's could get group. Oleg Tinkoff on this show. Yeah, but you know what? You know what? Here's the thing, Klaus. You say a public access show. We may be public access show, but you're a superstar. You wrote the cover story for Pro Cycling, arguably the biggest cycling magazine right now. I don't know. Yeah, it is. When Mike, Inar inarguably. In our, say, in our, in Mike, our Mike, you work for Rafa, arguably one of the biggest clothing companies cycling has. That's and stranger things have happened, for no, example. because they, they, dude, they, Rafa dresses Team Sky. And on top of that, when, when he came to New York, where, where did he do his little thing? Richard Moore. The Rafa Cycle Club. In, in who runs the Rafa Cycle Club in New York? Uh, I believe I do. There you go. So you are a superstar, too. I'm, I'm still thinking about how Mike said stranger things have happened, and all I could think of was when that time that Tom Green became famous <laughs> and was considered funny and talented. No, it's true. amazing. What happened to him? Oh, he no. has a, actually he has like a video podcast show. <laughs> I'm not See? joking. He's back down at our level. At one point, he was married to Drew Barrymore. Not right. you know. If one of us marries Drew Barrymore. That's it. That would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, I that don't say be. that like the highest thing you can achieve because after that, she went out with a drummer from the Strokes. True. And both of you guys are married already, so it leaves it up to me to figure out how to meet Mary. 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 However, I believe that my wife would be like, man, you have a chance to marry Drew Barrymore? This is too <laughs> funny. I'll give you the divorce. When you guys divorce, then we'll get married again. <laughs> but <laughs> Mike, cool here's the thing. Is. You live in New York City. You have access to superstars. You've seen famous people out and about. True. You live next, or I guess near uh, Philip Glass. But you don't want to marry Philip Glass, though. That would be weird. No, but I'm sure he knows Drew Barrymore. <laughs> <laughs> Philip Glass hangs out with Drew Barrymore. <laughs> They're celebrities. <laughs> she dated the guy from The Strokes. She appreciates music. Um, yeah. I'll play her the uh, Candlebox YouTube. <laughs> 
claim the Colombian Candlebox is probably better. That's what you do to lure Drew Barrymore. You just play Candlebox out of a boombox and just wait around. It's like luring a Sasquatch. No, you just put it on your boombox and you stand outside of her house holding the boombox over your head. Yeah, like in that one movie. I've seen that movie. What's the name of that movie? Say anything. Say anything. Thank you very much. Say anything. And you know what song he was official? He was initially supposed to be playing out of that boombox. What? I've heard this. It was a song by that band Fishbone. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard it. No. And they changed. What did it it was Peter Gabriel? What they change it to? Uh, Technotronic. No. Pump it it up. What did they change it to? What's the song? It was Peter Gabriel. Yeah, yeah, but I, I want to believe that it was Take My Breath Away, but that was in Top Take Gun. Take My Breath Away. Which is another song that will surely lure Drew Barrymore. All right, guys, we've gone way over the limit here. <laughs> this is the After Dark segment of the podcast. Exactly, actually, I'm splitting, What's it this into two, I'm splitting this into two episodes, all right? What you're listening to right now, <laughs> what we're talking about right now is going to be in episode 96 in two weeks from now. We should do that, just like, like they do in sitcoms where they tape like four or five episodes at once. We should just sit down and just bullshit for five hours and then divide it into five episodes. That would it's be like better. a Scorsese movie. <laughs> it would be like a Scorsese movie, except it would be good. With the, without oh. the Quaaludes. <laughs> yeah. So it was In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel. That's the song. Ah. Nice. You got it. I, dude, I haven't seen that movie since college. Probably and it was Fishbone's Bonin' in the Boneyard was what was actually playing yes. during the filming. And if you listen to that song and think about that scene with that song, it really, really, really changes things. <laughs> Just think of the song is called Bonin' in the Boneyard. Yeah. Yeah. By Fishbone. Yeah. yeah All right. Uh, guys, thank you very much. We're wrapping it up. I don't think I have anything else to say other than, oh, yeah, Duran Duran t-shirts, speaking of the 80s, the Duran Duran t-shirts are almost all gone. So make sure you go to speedmetalcycling.com and get one of them things. And I think that is it. We are out of here. Peace. (laughs) 